and the world. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're watching this. I'm Chris Carrado. Another episode of Rock Hill Video. This is on rockhillvideo.com. Today is Wednesday, November 25th, uh, 2020. It's 7.37 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, today we have on Joe Garcia. As I always like to say when we bring our guests on, um, we don't bring anybody on here to bash them. We don't bring anybody on here to praise them. Everyone gets an equal opportunity to share their thoughts on the issues. Um, and if I were to bring somebody else on here to talk with uh, Joe that might be different, have different ideas, uh, we don't talk over anybody. We don't side with anybody. We don't give anybody any extra time. Everyone gets a fair shot on this. I feel that's the most ethical thing to do when you're in journalism. I went to Winthrop University which is in Rock Hill. My major was mass communication with a concentration in journalism. So when we're writing the hard news, it, it, you know, it's okay to bring on all different types of people. But like I said, we're not on here to beat anybody down or praise anybody. Everyone gets a fair shot regardless of uh, what political affiliation they might have, if any. So, like I said, today we have on Joe Garcia. Thank you, Joe, for coming on our show. Thank you for having me, Chris. Absolutely. So, Joe, what would you like to share about yourself and your, your personal life and background? Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, currently, I am the, uh, the chairman of the Libertarian Party of North Carolina. Uh, <clears throat> how I got there is a, a long story. It's been a while. But uh, I started out, grew up in New York City. Uh, I was a New York City police officer and detective for 20 years, uh, and mostly throughout my my life, I wasn't really strongly political. Um, you know, I was conservative in some areas, liberal in other areas. Uh, but but overall, you know, I wasn't really deep into it, didn't read up on it, follow it heavily. Uh, I just had, you know, my beliefs on certain things. Uh, and then 9-11 happened. Uh, so I was a, a police officer at the time. Uh, you know, the buildings were hit. Um, and I ended up losing two cousins. They were civilians that worked in the North Tower. And, uh, you know, my, my political views got kind of radicalized after that, uh, more towards a, a neoconservative view of things, you know, um, more uh, focused on war and getting revenge and, you know, really just looking for payback, essentially. Uh, and, you know, especially, you know, not only losing two family members, but for what they did to my city. You know, uh, just like anybody else who grows up anywhere else in the country, they have a strong affinity to the city or the town that they grew up in. And that's how I felt about New York City. And uh, for years, I was a turn the Middle East into glass kind of guy. Didn't care, didn't pay attention to the politics, um, you know, kind of bought what the news was selling and what the politicians were selling. And then around, what was it, 2007, uh, Ron Paul was on the debate stage uh, in Charleston. And uh, he went up against Rudy Giuliani and the, the, what they now term the, the Giuliani moment, mm. uh, where basically uh, they had asked Ron Paul about it and he had uh, come out and said, you know, they didn't attack us for our freedoms. Like, you know, the, the whole thing that the, the media was pushing and the establishment was pushing, you know, they don't like us because we're free and that's why they hated us. And uh, Dr. Paul started talking about blowback from our foreign, uh, our foreign policy and so that's kind of where I started waking up. And I really started looking into Ron Paul because that wasn't the, the norm, right? You ask any Republican politician, 
you know, it was because they hate our freedoms, because they hate us and, you know, what we stand for. We're that, you know, shining beacon on the hill type of thing. And but Ron Paul, no matter what interview it was, always went and uh, he, he always spoke his mind, uh, no matter how they tried changing the question or framing it or try to make him look. He always stood by his principles. And that really woke me up a bit. And uh, as I learned a little bit more about him and about uh, what libertarianism was really all about, I started finding that not only was I looking at things wrong, but started realizing that deep down, I myself was actually a libertarian. And, you know, I didn't become political overnight as far as getting involved in the party and, and all that. But I, I definitely started changing my views and, and my principles started cementing a little bit more in libertarianism. And, and, you know, when I moved down here to North Carolina, I got involved with my local party. And uh, after doing that for a couple of years, uh, I was asked to, you know, basically run for a position on the state party as an at-large member, which I did. Uh, and through a couple of um, changes at the chair position, I now recently find myself uh, elevated to the position of chair. Uh, so I've been doing this now for a couple of weeks as chair, trying to get things organized and, uh, you know, post-election and get things ready to move forward uh, for, you know, the rest of this year and going into 2022. And, and that's where I stand right now. Got it. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I'm sorry about uh, your loss of your family. Um, I had, Thank uh, you. Yeah, welcome. I have uh, two brothers who were in the FDNY at the time. Um, one wasn't down there the day of, but one was. Uh, like I said, he had, um, I believe, six guys from his firehouse in uh, Midtown Manhattan passed away that day. Uh, including the fire chaplain, so that was uh, definitely a yeah. rough time for him. And then, so yeah, that was that was a rough time for everybody, man. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So, um, what does we, you touched on this a little bit? What does being a libertarian mean to you? What What is this party about? Well, what a, what being a libertarian is to me is, um, and this is from Matt Kibbe, uh, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Right. It's basically what we're taught back in grade school, kindergarten, right? Uh, nowadays, preschool, right? Uh, you know, be nice to everybody, uh, respect, you know, respect them, respect their property, you know, uh, that, that's how I feel, you know. Uh, don't commit violence against anybody, uh, but also uh, be prepared to use your natural rights to defend yourself and your family and your property. Uh, and just, you know, treating people kindly. Um, and, and that also rolls into um, a little bit of what I just mentioned with Dr. Paul is I, I developed uh, a non-interventionist uh, policy for myself. And the way I feel is uh, I believe that there's a lot of unending wars that are going on right now. And, you know, we shouldn't be in a lot of these countries and it's our foreign policy that's, that's put us there. And, you know, some of these people in other countries might look at us a whole lot differently if we got our soldiers out and brought them home and let them deal with their own problems and, you know, take care of what, you know, what we have here. Uh, and, and I think we'd, we'd be better off for that. And so would the rest of the world, honestly. Okay. Uh, anything else you wanted to share about what, what the party stands for on any specific uh, issues or topics? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Libertarian Party and the Libertarian Party of North Carolina also, uh, you know, basically believes in the, the defense of individual rights, uh, your right to self-ownership. Uh, to live how you want and to do with your body uh, and your property as you want, as long as you're not forcing other people to live the way you want uh, and, uh, you know, basically reducing the impact 
uh, that government has on our everyday lives, uh, stuff like trying to get taxes uh, reduced or eliminated all, uh, well, income taxes, you know, reduced or eliminated altogether because uh, those taxes go to fund a lot of the, the things like war, these unending wars that we have. Um, and, uh, you know, essentially having free markets, letting people trade or sell goods without interference, as long as they're not hurting anybody. So if you, you know, you want to trade your car for another car and that should be fine, right? You're not, as long as you're not hurting anybody, that should be it. You know, you want to buy somebody's Xbox or whatever it is. There's just no interference whatsoever, no rules. You don't need a special piece of paper to sell things and to trade things. Uh, and, you know, finally, basically that the government should only be responsible to protect people against force and fraud from others. So that's, you know, pretty much what the party stands for. Okay. Uh, any common misconceptions you want to address with, when it comes to the Libertarian Party? Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people that um, think there are some people that think that libertarians are just Republicans that like to smoke weed. Right. That's the one misconception. Right. Uh, then there's also the, the misconception that uh, libertarians are very uncaring uh, because we do advocate for no income taxes. Right. Uh, and, you know, what people don't realize is that a lot of these uh, a lot of our taxes or most of our taxes go to funding things that if you received an individual bill for to see where all your money went, most people would probably be against most of the things that their money went to, right? Uh, and it's not true. Uh, since I've been involved with the Libertarian, uh, the Libertarian as, as an ideology and as a political party and being involved as a community, uh, I could tell you it, it's very far from the truth that Libertarians don't care. I've seen people jump up in a snap when somebody needs help. Uh, you know, whose car broke down? Hey, you know, let, let's get somebody to that guy. Let's start up a GoFundMe real quick. And it, it's just incredible to watch it come together. Uh, and I've seen people not only locally get help, but across the country and across the world where, you know, libertarians at the drop of a hat are just, you know, sending money to folks that they don't even know, really. Maybe they just met them on the Internet and, you know, they might have a rapport with them over Facebook or Twitter or whatever, but they don't really know them. And, and They'll drop everything they're doing and, and make sure that that person's you know being helped out. So th those are a couple uh, that, that people should realize aren't true. Got it. Thank you. Um, so what would you say that the future is of the Libertarian Party? Because, you know, you'll, I've, I've heard people state things like, uh, you know, Libertarians only show up every four years. They're not doing enough on the on the local, the state and local. Um, right. What would you like to share about that? Yeah, um, that's another misconception. Um, people don't realize that um, libertarians do show up, right? And I think it's uh, it, the ratio works out. So if you look at how Republicans and Democrats turn out for elections um, and how libertarians turn out compared to the number of registered voters, it's fairly close, you know, if you look at the ratio, right? There are lots of Republicans that don't turn out for elections. There's lots of Democrats that don't turn out and lots of Greens and, you know, lots of Constitution Party and, you know, whoever else is out there. Um, but I have found that um, while the Republicans and Democrats tend to be a lot more uh, focused on political operations, you'll see a lot of times libertarians are, are focused when it's not during in the election time. Uh, that libertarians tend to be uh, and want to be more involved on a voluntary basis, whether it be 
you know, uh, like our Wake County affiliate is very, very active. Uh, they do at least once a quarter, if not a couple of times a quarter, they're working with um, uh, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we have uh, a bunch of affiliates that go out and, and work at food kitchens when they can. And obviously with COVID now, things have slowed down a little bit, uh, but they still do it. They just have to be safer and they have to follow certain rules. Uh, we have a few of them that will go and, and work on, uh, you know, street, you know, road and street cleanup type stuff. Uh, here in Union County, um, we've just got a, a nice little influx of folks who have uh, signed up to volunteer with us. And so, you know, we're looking to, we just got to get organized around it, but we're looking to uh, get some stuff set up where maybe we can get some presents together uh, and maybe some meals together for families in need and maybe work with a couple of organizations here. Like we have Common Heart here as one of the organizations that uh, helps folks in, in Union County. So uh, we're going to probably look to maybe team up with them to see what we can do, whether it be a food drive or you know, a, a toy drive or something. So um, th those are things. And I think the future is really bright, uh, to go back to your question. Uh, a lot of folks were excited about Joe uh, Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, our presidential and vice presidential candidates. And uh, speaking at a state level, where I have more knowledge than I do at the national level, we've had a lot of uptick in folks who've emailed and reached out to us about becoming volunteers and looking uh, to get more involved in their county affiliates. And if there isn't an affiliate in their particular county, you know, inquiring about how to get one start up. So, you know, we, we have seen a really big uptick in that. And, and that makes me happy. You know, the more people involved, the better we get to spread the word. So, Got it. Thank you. Yeah, that was kind of what my next question was about what libertarians could do locally and nationwide, and you touched on that a little bit. Is, is there anything else you wanted to share on what uh, they can do locally and nationwide? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're a libertarian and you're not doing it already, look up, uh, whether it's here in North Carolina, uh, in South Carolina where Chris is, or anywhere in the nation that you happen to be watching this, look up your uh, the state libertarian party uh, that you belong to. Uh, find out if the county that you uh, live in has an affiliate that's already started up, okay? Not every county has one. Here in North Carolina, I think it's the same thing in South Carolina, across the country. But if there is one and you live there, see how to get in touch. Find out, you know, the, the, the state party will help you get connected to them. Find out when their meetings are. Uh, show up, get involved. You don't necessarily have to worry about running the organization. But you could show up. You could start meeting folks who are liberty-minded just like yourself, uh, or if, you, if you're just interested in libertarianism, let's just say right now you might be a Republican or a Democrat or you might be an independent or uh, unaffiliated voter and you're not really sure and you want to learn more, go talk to the folks that are local to you. Nobody's saying that you have to join up, but you might want to just learn more. Maybe uh, some of the, some of the, the principles and, and the policies and the platform that we have interest you, but you haven't really bought into it 100%. Go talk to those folks. No, you know, nobody's nobody's going to force you to become a libertarian. But if you have some questions that maybe, you know, maybe you want to get involved, but you're not really sure, go talk to them and make a decision by talking to those folks in person. Um, if you really are involved, uh, if you are a libertarian and you, you want to get involved, but there's no county affiliate, maybe try looking at the, the county next to you uh, if they're active. If not, reach out to your state affiliate and uh, ask them about maybe starting one up where you live. Uh, you might have two or three friends of yours that all have the same uh, philosophy on libertarianism and, you know, get a couple of people involved and 
start up your own affiliate. And like I said, uh, the other thing that you could do is uh, locally, show up to your local county board of commissioners meetings, get involved, learn who the folks are that are running your town or your village uh, and your county, okay? See what these people are doing, not only when they're creating ordinances, but also when they're creating new taxes. You know, uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, county, some of these county board meetings, they make decisions that end up costing you money, like here in Union County, uh, what was it now? Not last year, the year before, uh, they decided to add a $25 vehicle tax to uh, each household. So uh, for every vehicle that you have in the house, you're paying a vehicle tax. So they didn't, they didn't raise your income tax, but they raised your property taxes by $25 for road projects to be funded that aren't even being worked on yet. And they're going to collect this every year, and they're never going to walk it back. So once that $25 is instituted, it's there forever. So you need to know things like that for yourself, because the more you let these politicians dig into your pocketbook and you're not paying attention, you, next thing you know, your check's going to get smaller and smaller every time you turn around. Uh, and, and last thing I could say about doing stuff locally and even nationwide, if you have an opportunity to do some volunteer work, do it. Uh, go out, you know, there's lots of places where you can do soup kitchens. Like I said, Habitat for Humanity, uh, you know, look, try to get some local blood drives together. Uh, th there's lots of things that you can do. Like I know in Union County here, we have a, a, a spay and neuter sh uh, shelter that's run by the county and um, essentially they'll take volunteers. So, you know what, look to find a day if you have four or five folks that, uh, that are interested in, in helping out, you know, helping out the center there, you know, go sign up with them and, and go hang out with the dogs and help them, you know, store stuff and, and, and all that stuff, you know, help keep the dogs, you know, happy, get them out of their cages and crates, you know, that's just something, just something to, to do. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Um, I know this is kind of a broad question. Uh, how do you feel about the 2020 election? Not just for libertarians, but the presidential election, anything state and local, anything in Congress, whatever. Sure. Yeah. I'll start out with, uh, with, with the Libertarian Party candidates. Uh, Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, uh, although they didn't top Gary Johnson from 2016, him and his running mate, Bill Weld, they had, uh, I think it was 3% or 3.2 or 3.5%. I don't remember off the top of my head. But they, they had over 3% of, of the vote back in 2016. Um, and although Joe and Spike didn't beat that total, uh, they did get the second highest vote total that a libertarian uh, set of candidates on the presidential vice presidential ticket has ever had uh, with, I believe it was like 1.1 of the vote or 1.2 of the vote. Uh, and what people need to keep in mind is that, you know, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld uh, were both former governors. They had some name recognition. They had both been Republicans uh, in addition to being libertarians uh, for a little while. And, uh, you know, so they, they got the benefit of, some big donors came in to throw money their way. They were getting some mainstream media attention. Uh, and, and this year was kind of rough with COVID uh, because there wasn't a lot of door knocking, which we are typically very strong at as libertarians. We can you know, get people mustered up and get them out knocking on doors and speaking about our candidates and get people excited. Uh, and I mean, the mainstream media just wasn't there. They, they, you know, although they did get some local news here and there, the big, you know, the big networks didn't really want to have much to do with them. So I think that's where, where we were hurt this year. And um, that's something that's going to continue. Uh, 
because the Republicans and Democrats kind of own the media, mostly the Democrats. They own the media uh, for the most part, and they run the narrative. Um, as far as uh, Trump and Biden go, um, I think they're both awful, personally, uh, no matter who would have won. Uh, Trump may be slightly better. And that's not an endorsement of him at all. <laughs> it's just it's just that, um, you know, basically there there are ideas and thoughts that he has and even some policies, but he never followed through on them. I think one of the things that helped him get elected in 2016 was the fact that he was so against the unending wars, uh, especially in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, and he was talking about, you know, pulling troops out of, of North Korea uh, and, and around the world, Germany, you know, where we have all these, these um, bases. We have bases in over 120 countries. Why, I don't know, but we, we have them, right? Um, but the problem was is that Trump ended up surrounding himself, although he said he was going to drain the swamp, all he did was just basically leave the swamp alone. Uh, he hired guys like uh, Mike Pompeo, who was a CIA, you know, head of the CIA at one time. You, know, you had John Bolton, you know, one of the, you know, one of the guys involved in, in Iraq war, uh, and, and essentially really didn't get anywhere, you know? Uh, and I think that if he could have followed through on some of the, the policies that he had on, a, on, on the, the foreign side of things, I think I would have had a little more respect for him. You know, now he's talking about, oh, well, now we're going to pull troops out of Iraq, uh, out of Afghanistan. Well, I think you said that last year. Uh, you said that before the election when, you know, before you won, and we still have troops there, you know? They pulled some troops out, but basically I think they're at the level where they were when he took office. So, okay. you know, so it's like, you know, like, what did you really do, dude? You know, you were, you've been in office almost four years and you haven't followed through on that. Um, Biden, uh, I mean, look, man, Biden's awful. I don't know how long he's going to be president for, um, you know, and, and I know that this is you know, taking a shot at the guy, but if you, if you watched him on, in any of these interviews that they had, you could tell he was in controlled environments a lot of times, right? So uh, they were asking him questions. It was very, very, either very, very small crowds or he was in a room where he could be controlled, you know, where there weren't reporters and stuff like that to, to kind of get on him. And uh, you could see, man, he, he was just mispronouncing things, misremembering things, coming up with some wild stories. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how he's gonna last. Um, and, you know, people, you know, there, there are friends of mine that I have that are Democrats that are cheering him. And I'm wondering why. Uh, here's a guy who's the, the author of the 1994 crime bill, uh, which, you know, people say is the, you know, kind of the start of mass incarceration and also mandatory minimums. Uh, and, and that's supposed to be a talking point for a lot of Democrats, right? Mass incarcerations and mandatory minimums. But because, you know, he, he's their guy, it's okay. You know, um, Kamala Harris, I mean, here you have this woman who has no principles whatsoever, uh, who, while she was um, uh, a prosecutor in California, had withheld evidence that could have uh, exonerated guys that were on death row and withheld that. It's public information. That's not just me making that up because I don't like Kamala Harris. That's public information. And, and you're proud that that's, that's the woman that you know, that ended up getting picked to, to be VP, you know, you know, I, I don't know, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I think 
you know, basically what it's come down to is uh, there's a lot of team sports stuff going around and uh, folks are kind of very polarized right now. Okay. Um, any thoughts on, you know, sometimes you hear libertarians, you know, like the Democrats will say they're really Republicans, but lately you're hearing the flip side of things that the Republicans have kind of taken a distaste for the Libertarian Party. Um, I remember four years ago, Libertarians were blamed for Trump being elected. And it seems that this year they're being blamed for him not being reelected. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, that, that happens a lot. You know, um, if. Um, if I pay attention to what people tell me, my vote this election counted three times. Uh, not only did I vote for Dr. Joe Jorgensen, but apparently uh, Democrats have told me that my vote counted for Trump. Right. And the Republicans told me that my vote counted for Biden. So I'm still trying to figure out how I got three votes in this whole one vote system. But, you know, that, that's what they come up with. And, and I think the problem basically is, is, like I just mentioned, politics has become a team sport to most voters okay there are a lot of voters that uh might have grown up a certain way or they have certain views and they've they've only been told about these two big parties right i don't know about you but when i went through public school uh unfortunately i got a public school education uh i was only told about republicans and democrats i didn't know uh, I, you know i was born in the early 70s and libertarian party was formed in 1971. i never heard about the libertarian party ever it's the third largest party in the country since 1971. I've never heard about it until my adulthood, okay? Um, and so now the country has gotten to this point where it's either, for the most part, it's team red or team blue, okay? And the thing is, is that if you don't line up with one of those two parties, well, the voters that are in those two parties think you're playing for the other team. They, they don't understand nuance for the most part, right? And I'm talking about the regular average Joe voter, the people that don't really look deep into it, that they've you know, either been born into a family of Republicans or Democrats, or as they grew up, they've found themselves in a silo. Maybe if it's somebody who went to college, uh, a lot of college kids end up uh, being very progressive and Democrat or liberal, and they end up in that silo. Uh, a lot of times you have folks out here in the country who kind of got siloed into the, the Republican conservative silo. Uh, and, you know, so if you choose anything other than their party, they just think you're the other big party and that's it. Right. Uh, and it doesn't, and they never seem to take the time out to look to see what the real policies of their team is, what their team is trying to accomplish. And they never really also take the time to see how sometimes what their team is doing could be used against them when that other team gets in, right? So, you know, you look at uh, uh, what o Obama was doing uh, and started under, I mean, not the, there's always been executive orders by presidents, right? But it seemed to kind of ramp up under Bush a bit, during, you know, when the war was going on. And then under Obama, it got worse. And with Trump, you know, Trump just continued it. And guess what? When Biden comes into office, he's just going to continue executive orders. And all executive orders do is take the power out of the hands of the people, because the folks that are supposed to be representing you, your, your congressmen and senators, they're basically abdicating their power to the president by, by pen, by fiat, just signing a piece of paper and, and putting it, you know, making this the, the law right now. And that's the problem. And they don't, they don't see that. So, you know, um, 
you know, you Trump was pro Second Amendment, right? Oh yeah, Second Amendment. He comes up. What does he do? By executive order, um, he, he they ban bump stocks, right? And then he was talking about getting rid of uh, uh, suppressors or silencers, as people call. Uh, and he's also very pro uh, red flag laws. But when you bring that up to Republicans or conservatives who who like Trump, they don't want to hear that. They don't. They don't. Oh, a bump stock and a silencer is just like a. It's a. It's a novelty item. It's a toy. Right, but what's the next step? You're not looking past the to the next step. The next step is is that when the next guy comes in, which in this case now they're talking about Biden, uh, when he gets into office, he's going to sign an executive order adding hefty taxes to ammo sales if you buy ammo online. Mm. You know, so you know people aren't looking past how these things get used against them by both teams. You know, uh, and, and yeah, it, you know I don't know where else to go with that, but you know really people need to to wake up a little bit to see what these politicians are really doing even the ones that they're that's on their side and see how that could be used against them in the future by the other team you know and then if, if you really start taking a look at that you know i think people will start to take what their politicians are doing a little more seriously rather than just going yes i voted republican down ticket all the way down i voted red till dead and i got everybody in there you know uh-huh. uh, or you know Blue, no matter who. Uh, I, I think when they start looking at what their politicians are really doing and how their lives are being affected, they, they might change uh, their attitude on things. Okay. All right, Joe. I know we I know we talked about a, a good bit today. Is there anything that I didn't mention that you wanted to discuss or share? Um, no. At first, I just want to say thanks for for having me on and, and uh, having this discussion. Um, if anybody who's watching this is in the uh, the North Carolina area, uh, please look up the uh, Libertarian Party of North Carolina. That's uh, LPNC.org. Uh, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, I'm the chairman for uh, the Libertarian Party of North Carolina. Uh, get involved. If you're a libertarian and you want to get involved, get involved. We, we can always use volunteers at the state and local level. Um, you know, we're trying to get ramped up for the midterm elections. But uh, not only that, but just get involved. So, you, you can meet some of the folks who have, you know, may have the same principles that, that you have and, and you get to know them and you can build a little community uh, for yourself of like-minded people. And as I mentioned before, if, if there's anybody out there who's just even curious about really what libertarian is, because sometimes, you know, your Republican or Democrat friends might tell you something about the libertarian party or what libertarians are all about. But if you have the opportunity, go speak to some libertarians just because you're you know, a registered Democrat, a registered Republican, or Green, or Constitution, nobody's going to chase you off. We're not, we're not like that. Uh, and and we, we could talk policy and politics and platforms and, and principles all day. So, you know, uh, go, go out and, and talk to them. They may not change your mind, but at least you'll get a better idea of, of what we're all about. Got it. So uh, our viewers know where they can go to learn more. Um, if they wanted to get in contact with you, is there any information that they can they reach out to you anyway? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if anybody has any questions, they want to shoot my way. Uh, my email address is chair, C-H-A-I-R, at lpnc.org. And, and I'd be happy to answer your questions. Great. Thank you, Joe. Well, um, we totally appreciate you coming on today. Uh, maybe we'll have you back on again sometime. Thank you. All right. All I really appreciate you. it, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You too. Uh, thank you for coming on, Joe, and uh, 
Now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> 